Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash savagepremium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Look, in light of the historic indictment of President Trump, just the other day, I decided to return to a few of the groundbreaking interviews with President Trump that we had on my radio show. Listening back, you're going to hear the beginnings of his political ideology shaped in large part by my radio show. Everyone told me that who worked for him. And those principles were founded in borders, language and culture, and it catapulted him to the White House. In fact, a major literary person in the right wing media or conservative media said, without you, there'd be no MAGA movement. First, let's listen to one of my earliest conversations with Donald Trump from January 2011, when we discussed running the country as a business. Joining us right now is Donald Trump. Run the country like a business, not an empire. There's only one man I know who can do it, and that is Donald Trump. Donald, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for being with us. Look, when you and I spoke, I, I asked you straight up. I didn't mince words. I said to you, where do you stand on tariffs with regard to Chinese goods? And you didn't blink. You didn't mince words. Tell the audience what you think should be done. Well, look, nobody is hurting outside of OPEC this country more than China. What China is doing to this country is absolutely a, a sin, and it shouldn't be allowed, and somebody has to speak to them. Somebody called me last week. The head of China is coming next week to see the president. And they said, what message would you have that the president should give? I said, the president should cancel the meeting and immediately cancel the meeting hmm. until such time as they stop manipulating their currency, et cetera, et cetera. Because when they manipulate their currency, our, co our companies cannot compete with theirs. They cannot just can't. Compete. Beyond labor, beyond other things, they can't compete. And I will tell you, as a big buyer of products, a huge buyer of products, glass and lots of other things, the Chinese are very, I mean, I say, do we make anything in this country anymore? It's, it's being made in China and other countries, but China is the big culprit. And the advantage they have is a manipulation through a manipulation of their currency. So what I say to you, very simply, is that I would absolutely tax all products coming in from China. Then you'll say to me, oh, but don't they loan us a lot of money by buying our bonds? And I would respond by saying, if you tax their products those bonds will be paid off very, very rapidly. What tax? What percent? I would say 25%. And I would say a firm, strong 25%. And then, you know what? When they start behaving properly, you know, we're building cities in China. We're building China. We're rebuilding the whole place because what they're doing is they're taking all of our jobs. And it's very interesting. I don't know if you heard Bernanke, uh, Ben Bernanke the other day. Right. But he said very strongly job market won't be back for five or six years yeah i heard that that's terrible well you and i had one point that we disagreed on where you said you cannot buy anything made in america anymore and i said mr trump you're wrong about that you can buy a congressman 
Well, that's very true. I guess <laughs> it's sadly true. true. So in addition to saying you're fired, you now want to say you're elected, huh? Michael, I don't believe five or six years, because why, why are jobs coming back to this country if everything's being made in China, Mexico, lots of other places? You know what happened in Iowa? Iowa is, it's very sad, Newton, Iowa, Maytag, because of our brilliant system, Maytag moved their manufacturing and virtually everything out of Iowa, Newton, and into Mexico. Yeah. All the jobs. Well, that's because of NAFTA and the WTO. Now, we on the conservative side in the media were opposed to that in the 90s. We opposed NAFTA. We opposed WTO. We were called crazy at the time. Would you repeal any of these international agreements if you were president, Mr. Trump? Well, NAFTA has been a total disaster. Uh, it's just been unbelievable how horrible it's been. You go up and look at New England. All you see is empty factories that are just decaying buildings. Yes. And those people moved out and they moved over to Mexico and other places. Uh, and you take a look at what's happening. The truth is the United States is a whipping post for the rest of the world. And the reason is because our people aren't smart enough or tough enough to do something about it. One of my callers, Rich in Pittsburgh, is uh, calling and he's saying in China they tariff our products. Is that true? Totally true. But I can tell you about a steel company, and I'm talking about a big one, where they can't, they're not allowed to go into China and sell steel. General Electric recently, where General Electric was forced to give up all their technology and all their secrets in order to do business in China. I mean, it's terrible what's going on, and we do nothing. Look at South Korea. There's another one. There's another beauty. Right. I just can't even believe. So yes. Look at South Korea. They have a trade agreement that's so bad and so one-sided for them and against us. Then the president goes there recently, and they refuse to sign it because they want more. Then all of a sudden, a couple of shells get lobbed onto one of their islands by North, by North Korea. Right. And all of a sudden, they come back and they say, no, no, we will sign the agreement because they are my great allies. They are great <laughs> yeah, allies. Right. Sure, as we have the SS, as we have the George Washington aircraft carrier, one of the great boats of the world, right. and many destroyers sailing right toward North Korea. And I said to myself, they make hundreds of billions of dollars, let's use the word profit, because it's easy to understand, yes. for the United States, with their right. televisions, their cars, everything right. else. The agreement is horrendous. We're protecting them. Why aren't we being paid for that? These, this nation is so rich, much richer than us, actually. Mm. But why aren't they paying when we sail those incredible ships over to North right. Korea, which, by the way, cost millions of dollars an right. hour? You know, what you're saying is, why doesn't, why doesn't South Korea pay for the price of sailing the ships and the men going there to protect them? Is that what you're saying? Why doesn't South Korea pay us something? Which means, why don't we ask South Korea... To that for something, I mean, for something. Instead, what do they do? They go out and they give us a trade agreement that only an idiot from our standpoint would would sign. So it's a very, very sad situation. But if you were, but Donald, if you were the chief executive of the United States of America, would you do some of the more uh, controversial things that I've called for, such as, uh, let's go to Iraq. Many men lost their lives, lost limbs, lost eyes. We lost our national honor in many ways. For what? They're sitting on a sea of oil. They've never given us a free barrel of oil. George Bush said that they would pay us back through oil. We never got one free barrel. Don't you think, for example, Iraq owes us a few hundred million barrels of oil in exchange for how many, how many billions we spent there? Iraq has $15 trillion of oil sitting under its land. People don't realize after Saudi Arabia, they're the second nation for oil. Right. Now, we've spent 
a trillion and a half. Okay? Yes. They should pay us back. They should pay us back. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the greatest example, only because, you know, it's not like Iraq is, I don't know, a lot of people would say, did we really do them a favor? If you go over there, it's a total mess. Which, by the way, Iran will take over as soon as we leave. What we've done in Iraq is unbelievable. You know, yes. they've been fighting for hundreds of years, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, absolutely. Forth, equals. Now we've denuded yes. Iraq. So that as soon as we leave, Iran will go in and take over that oil, which is very interesting. Well, as I, look, when that war broke out, I said that this could be the greatest blunder, military blunder in American history. I hope Bush is, is right and not wrong, because if he's wrong, all that's going to happen is the Shia-dominated Iran is going to dominate Iraq, which was run by the Sunnis under Saddam, who was a balancing power to the, to the Shia power within his own country in Iran. It was a complete mess. But let's look at Afghanistan. If you were president, would you pull the boys out of Afghanistan? Get out as soon as I could. Now, you have to understand, Michael, I'm a very, very hawkish person. I believe in really strong military, stronger than what we have right now. Right. I believe in all of that. So do I. What we are over there is policemen. What yes. we are over there is policemen. You know, we didn't lose a war. If we pulled out, we, didn't, we won the war, but we're policemen over there. We're not yes. meant to be policemen. You know, in my book, Trickle Up Poverty, Mr. Trump, I ended by saying run America like a business, not an empire. And I went on the air tonight and I said, I finally have found a businessman who I think who I think could run this country not only like a business, but as a business, because it is a business. Every nation fundamentally is a business, but you can't run a business at a loss, uh, let us say, forever, can you? Well, I'd also say a business with compassion, because there are certain times where government really can help people, and that's a great thing. But, you know, when I look at, for instance, you mentioned Afghanistan. Think of this. $52 million was given to somebody in a suitcase yes. Yes. to go to Afghanistan, right? Right. It ended up, and we just found this out, it ended up in Dubai. Now, Dubai, in Dubai. is yeah. not doing well. Right. It ended up in Dubai. Now, you say to yourself, we give $52 million in cash. I mean, who ever heard of $52 million in cash? Numerous cash businesses. But my cash businesses, I watch closely. I have people, I have accountants watching the people. Then I have people watching those people. I want to know, who is the colonel or the general or whoever it is that gives $52 million in green to Afghanistan? And then it ends up somewhere in Dubai, which is another part of the world. And I say, who are the people that give this money? Is it a colonel? Is it a corporal that carries it out? Is it a private, like the WikiLeaks private? Yeah. And then I say, of the money that was given, 52 is an odd number, how much was stolen before the 52 got there? And who stole it, including our own couriers? So when I look at that, 52 million in cash, if you think about what that is, right. you say, who authorizes something like that? I don't know. I didn't. No, but can you imagine? No, I know what you're saying. Where the money come from? Who did go to? Look, you only have a minute left in this segment. There's a lot more we have to cover over the months and, uh, to come. I don't even know if you're running. Are you really ready to run for the presidency, Mr. Trump? Well, I'm a proud American. I love this country. I've never seen anything like what's happening now. I've never seen OPEC go so crazy as they are right now. Oil is now $90 a barrel. It should be 30 I've always been told by a certain very smart friend of mine who's truly an expert on oil that whenever we have oil above 30 and 40, this country has to lose money. And I believe that it was OPEC and I believe it was oil prices that really caused the almost demise of our economic nation. It was a horrible thing. We got up to $150 a barrel. 
And at some well, it's a commodity that, in essence, is acting as a currency. That's what it comes down to. If we have inflation, uh, the the barrel of oil becomes the equivalent of the uh, of the deflated dollar in, in reality to the Arab. In other words, he goes to New York and he wants to buy an apartment in Trump Plaza that was ten million dollars, and suddenly it's fifteen million dollars. So he wants more money for his oil. Yes or no? That it's the problem that we have with the devalued dollar and the devalue on a daily basis is you're going to be paying $25 for a loaf of bread. You're going to be paying $10 for a Coca-Cola. I mean, the devalued dollar, which is no longer a respected currency, as you know, yep. is just absolutely hurting this country. And it's going to hurt. Number one, level of respect. Number two, wait till you see what's... And you see it now. You see the price of copper. You see the price of gold. You see the price of all of these commodities, including oil, going through the roof and it's a very very serious situation for this country when will and, and we know if Don, but when will we know if Donald Trump wants to really run for the presidency well I would say I'll make a decision sometime by June you know we have celebrity apprentice going on very soon I'm not allowed to run during that time because ev otherwise everyone else has to get two hours on primetime television somehow I don't think that's going to happen right but it it terminates the the season 11 term comes to an end at the during the month of June, and I will make a decision uh, sometime then. But it's a very sad thing. What's happening to this country is very sad, and I've never seen it where this country is such a whipping post and just doesn't have the respect of other nations. Run the country like a business, not an empire. We need a really successful, tough-minded man like Donald Trump, in my opinion. I would definitely back you if you ran, and I haven't backed anyone because I see nobody who can beat Obama out there on the Republican side. That's a terrible, terrible thing to say when you consider Obama is such a terrible president that the Republicans are going to do it all over again, Mr. Trump. And that's what I say. We really need you out there. Michael, health care is destroying many, many companies. I know for a fact I have friends that are literally closing up their companies. They're not going to be able to afford health care. And just one other little thing. You know, we signed recently a treaty with Russia. Yeah. How would you like Russia dictating when and where we can build missiles? I mean, do you think this is great now that Russia is telling us what we can build, when we can build it? It's sort of an amazing... I covered this with a chapter on what's in the START Treaty. I tried to warn America why the president and those nine Republican turncoats agreed on the START Treaty without any discussion really concerns me because we have now become an... That's a real beauty, and... Part of the beauty is they don't want us to have a defense system. So you're not allowed to defend yourself. You can't build missiles. You can't. Russia's telling us what to do, and they rush out to approve it. It's unbelievable. Well, we have a lot more to cover, and I know that this is not the uh, last time uh, Donald Trump will be on the Savage Nation. At least I hope not. And uh, we're giving you an open door to the most important independent uh, nation in the country, which is the Savage Nation. I sincerely mean it. This is not for ratings, Mr. Trump. This is to save the country that I love ever since I've been a Boy Scout in Queens, New York. And I hope you're the guy who's going to do it and you're the guy who's going to save this country. Well, thank you very much, Michael. You have a great show. And I really do. I can't say 100%, but I agree with so much of what you say. If you agreed with me 100%, I'd really worry about you. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. And we'll be on again. Thank you. Donald Trump on the Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I spoke again with Trump in April of 2011. 
and he shared how he listened to my radio show and outlined his thoughts on the military, on endless wars, and how other nations were exploiting the United States. So we have a uh, complete lack of leadership in a simple way. I mean, you look at dr the Drudge Report, oil soars, highest March price on record, almost $109 a barrel. Obama's limo exempt from new green policy. A thousand people are, and, and companies are exempt from this banana republic uh, Obamacare. Foreign banks took most from the Fed during the bailout, and that guy, Barbasol Bernanke, kept the secret. The Libya-owned bank got 73 loans of your money. And here's the topper from the Wall Street Journal. More Americans work for the government than in manufacturing, farming, fishing, forestry, mining, and utilities combined. This is a socialist government. Joining us right now is a person who is the antithesis of socialism, Donald Trump. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Donald, look what's going on in, in our country. The one we grew up in is not the one we're living in, is it? No, it's changing rapidly and it's changing for the worse and something has to be done about it quickly or we're gonna have a we're gonna have a whole different place. Donald, I open up the local San Francisco paper. Tax hike on rich appeals to voters. Strong bipartisan support for 1% increase poll shows. And then you read the poll that was done by the California Federation of Teachers. You live in Florida, which is a state tax-free, a tax-free state. And you run an incredible organization, the uh, Mar-a-Lago. Isn't it true that many, many of the wealthy in Florida are, in fact, tax refugees from other states like California? Well, it's true. I mean, very many came down from New York. They came down from other locations because Florida does have a very friendly tax area. And, you know, you can even take it to an international level when they start taxing you at a high level from the federal government. I know people. These are not people that particularly love anything. These are hardened veteran business people, and all they care about is the dollar, and maybe that's very unfortunate. But they'll leave the country in order to get tax refuge. And you're really competing now on a world basis, just like New York is competing with Florida and New Jersey and everything else. So you really have to be very careful with the tax rates, or you're going to lose a lot of great and very productive people. Donald, in the state of California, we're paying 10.5% state tax. They want to add another 1%. There is a point at which people will flee. It's interesting what you just raised. Which countries are tax havens, in essence? I don't know of any. Well, you can go to places like Switzerland, and, you know, frankly, there are a lot of very beautiful countries that really do cater to very wealthy people and corporations of very wealthy people. And people do leave. I mean, they will move around, and they're trying to find the best tax haven. And I don't say that in a negative way. I think it's something I wouldn't want to do necessarily. I'm very proud of this country. But right. people do leave just like they leave New York, just like they leave, frankly, California, because California is losing a lot of people to other states. Right. Well, manufacturing has gone a long time ago because of the uh, uh, draconian red tape. Donald, let's talk about Libya because it's a nightmare. He went in. It's unconstitutionally bypassed Congress. He signed a secret deal to put in CIA operatives. <laughs> Nothing he did was legal. Even his left wing admits that. Uh, and now they're saying people who were yesterday peaceniks like Dianne Feinstein are saying, go in and assassinate Gaddafi. It's shocking to me to, to, to look at this. They don't know what they're doing, do they? Well, you know, the other thing is they really don't know who the people, who the so-called rebels are. I heard your show the other day, yesterday to be exact, and you were saying about the word rebel. It sounds so brilliant. It sounds so wonderful, like these are the greatest people. Well, yeah. you know, I'm hearing they're very closely associated with Iran. I'm hearing they're very closely associated with al-Qaeda. I'm hearing all sorts of things about these people, and you say, 
what are we doing? What are we go what are we doing? Because that would actually be worse than Gaddafi, if that's the case. In my opinion, it would probably be worse a step worse than Gaddafi. So we're spending all of this money. We're doing it because the Arab League, which is the wealthiest countries in the world, by the way, Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and various others. I won't get into the names because I and I know them all very well and I have friends there. But I mean all of these countries told us to do it and we did it. And every time we send up a missile, it's a million and a half dollars. We've spent over a billion dollars in the last week and a half. And they have no intention of reimbursing us. They just wanted to get rid of Gaddafi. It looks like he's a lot tougher than Obama. I mean, despite the fact that we have a thousand percent advantage militarily. And it looks like he's driving the so-called glorious rebels back. And, you know, it's it's a pretty pathetic situation. It is. It makes America look very weak very indecisive. You and I both know from the time we were children, even though we grew up on different sides of the Union Turnpike, <laughs> so to speak, right. you, you, you never start a fight that you don't think you can win. Did they not think this through, Donald? Well, this was amazing because in the same speech, almost the same sentence, he said that uh, we want to get rid of Obama, and then he said, but we'll do nothing to do to get rid of him, right? So he turns out to be a lot tougher cookie. But if you think of it, we want to get rid of it, but we don't want to do anything to help the regime change, right? And I was listening to this speech, and I'm saying, am I hearing correctly? You either yeah. want to get rid of him or you don't want to get rid of him. I mean, the truth is we don't know what we're doing. When you say we, you mean the administration seems to well, be... I'm a talking take- about our leaders. Our yeah, they're leaders taking it a day at a time. They're t- they're, Donald, they, they seem to be doing this on the fly. They lurch, they, they jerk. According to what I've been able to discern, Obama himself was not even in favor of military action, nor was Gates. It was conducted by Hillary Clinton, Samantha Powers, and Miss Rice, who decided to go to war against Gaddafi without much thought about how to go about doing it. What kind of leadership is this? The answer is... They didn't know, very importantly, who we're fighting for. I mean, they thought the rebels were, were these glorious, wonderful people, and then now all of a sudden they're getting reports that three years ago they were shooting at us in Iraq, and they were fighting us, and, you know, it's just inconceivable. And now it looks like it's a war that, frankly, Gaddafi might end up winning, and we may be afraid to get rid of Gaddafi. I think, in, I think they're finding out things about the rebels that are so bad that they're afraid to get rid of Gaddafi because they think the rebels are going to be worse. And you know, Donald, there's no... See, but you have a show where you can say to people who are are stupid, you're fired. (laughs) We We don't have a government where we can say you're fired. We live in a dictatorship that is punctuated by democracy every four years. And unfortunately, we're stuck with this group of amateurs for two more years. God only knows what other damage they're liable to do. So let's talk about the other damage they're liable to do. If, um... If you were president, if you do decide to run and you were president, I know you've talked about making uh, uh, people pay their fair share. If the Arab League were the ones who egged us on through Hillary Clinton, why don't they pick up the cost of the war? They have nothing but money. Well, I've been saying this. They have trillions of dollars in the bank. They're the richest countries in the world. They've been ripping us off for years. I mean, just ripping us. Twelve men sit around a table, and in this case, all men. They sit around a table, and they set the price of oil. Oil, I don't know if you heard, but oil reached almost $108 a barrel today, and that's going to be the end of our economy because you can't pay that. And, you know, I see these poor guys are investing in the stock. Well, the fact is when oil goes above $40, we have trouble. It's now at 108 
And right. it's a real, it's a real problem. And to think that we'd go in and not even ask them for the money yep. that it's going to cost to get rid of their enemy, Gaddafi, is right. inconceivable. Well, it's the same with every other military venture. We've talked about this on the show before, Donald. We spent, what, $3 trillion liberating the Shia of, Ira of Iraq, and they're sitting on one of the largest oil reserves in the world, and, and Bush never demanded reparations in the form of free oil? What's that all about? Well, you know, the, the most interesting thing of all is Iraq, because we went in, we hit somebody that, frankly, we could have gone after the people that really, you know, the terrorists didn't come from Iraq that knocked down the World Trade Center. They came from other places. Namely, if you look, they put their families on the plane, you know where they're yep. headed. Back to Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Right, they came from Saudi Arabia, of course. They headed back to Saudi Arabia. They didn't head to Iraq, but regardless. So we got stuck in this war. We've spent a trillion five, a trillion and a half dollars. We've lost thousands of great people. We have people walking around with one arm and one leg all over. And what do we have? The minute, and I said this last night on Bill O'Reilly's show, within 15 minutes, 15 minutes after we leave, Iran, because we have so denuded and weakened that, you know, for years, for hundreds of years, they'd be fighting each other back right. and forth. We have so denuded Iraq that within minutes after we leave, they're not going to mess when we're there, but once we leave, we're not going back because we don't have the heart to go back after that mess after so many years. Iran is going to come over, take over Iraq and the oil fields. And by the way, you just said it. People don't realize this. The second largest oil fields in the world after Saudi Arabia. So Iran is going to come in. They're going to take over the oil fields. And all of those people will have died in vain because that's what we're going to get. We're going to get that. So what I said last night, very simply, if I know, and I know for a fact, Iran is going to come up. They probably won't even have to fire a shot because if you look at what's happening, they're getting along very well with the so-called leaders of Iraq. I don't know if you see they what's They are the on. leaders, but it's... Look, we toppled this, the Sunni leader who was the monster Saddam who kept the Shia population uh, on, 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 under control through terrorism, frankly. And terrorists, by the way, Saddam. That, that's exactly right. He, he was actually, now it's he was our best friend. Saddam was our best friend, and everybody knows that. Well, I, I will say this. He killed terrorists. You didn't have terrorists in Iraq. He used to shoot them. He used to kill them immediately. Now it's the Harvard of terrorism. You want to become a terrorist, you go to Iraq. Here's the point. You go, you take, if we know that Iran is taking over the oil, and we know that's going to happen, we should take the oil, and we should stay there. You know, in the old days, when you fought a war, you took over a country, you fought a war, you won. We fight a war, after everyone's crippled, we go and we leave, and, and, and people that we never even heard of take over the country. And by the way, these people will be, be just like them. They'll be building palaces to themselves very shortly. It is unbelievable. So, what I say, second largest oil fields in the world, if we know and we know that Iran will come in, we say, Iran, you just stay right over there. Don't worry about it. We wrap our soldiers around the oil fields. We take over the oil fields. We pay ourselves back a trillion five. We give some money to Britain. They spent plenty. And others that helped us. And we also take care of Iraq. We give plenty. There's plenty for everybody. They have yep. $15 trillion worth. I don't know if you know this. $15 trillion worth of oil underground. There's plenty to go around for everybody. 
Well, we, I agree with you on that. This was a blunder of Bush, not of Obama. But now Obama seems to be making the, the same type of blunder on a smaller scale in Libya. And I don't know who advises these people is the issue. What about drilling in America? I am a conservationist. I have been all my life. I have the bona fides for it. I don't want to have to reiterate them, Donald. But there comes a point at which you have to drill, drill, and drill. We can drill in the Rocky Mountains. We can drill in the uh, Alaskan Slope. We can drill off the shore of California. Would you agree that we're not drilling sufficiently for our own needs? Well, in many ways, we're not drilling at all. I mean, these people that are trying to go back into the Gulf, they're having a hell of a time getting back in there, and they're just now getting certain clearances, and nobody knows what took so long. We should drill all over. I mean, we should drill. I've gotten many, uh, many environmental awards. I'm very environmentally conscious. I have gotten so many awards and people don't know that about me. But we should drill. We have to drill. And you can drill in a very responsible manner. The other thing we should use is coal. We have more coal than anybody. We should use coal. Now, I don't know when they use the word clean coal. I don't know if it's perfectly clean. But when you look at what's happening in Japan, you know, all of a sudden people are yep. changing their mind on nuclear. And I'm not sure I, you know, I blame them. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. There is low sulfur coal plant. There are, there are low sulfur coal plants that are being shut down as we speak. They're perfectly fine and very efficient. Donald, you do business with a lot of folks all around the world and in China. You've told me that you've told the show, uh, you mentioned on the show that the Chinese laugh at us for the for the foolishness of our leaders. Is it that they're naive or is it they're just simply bought and paid for, in your opinion? Well, you know, I, I used to think that they were, frankly, naive and or stupid. I don't know which is the better word to describe it. But I actually think that if you go down to Washington and you try and get a lobbyist and then you say, here, we want a lobbyist against, let's say, OPEC, maybe you can get some guy that just graduated from college. But for the most part, they're all taken because OPEC has them all. I mean, they have so many lobbyists, it's incredible. China has so many lobbyists. So I really think that the lobbyists have a lot to do with it. You know, they go in representing China. They go in representing OPEC. And these politicians are like, you know, they don't want to mess around because they have fundraisers. The lobbyists give them big fundraisers for little political campaigns. It's hard to believe. And what I told you last time, and I say it again because it happened recently, I know the people of the world. I know the very rich people of the world. Many times they buy apartments. I sold one recently for $33 million. I sold one for $40 million. I saw a lot of very wealthy people apartments. Okay, so I get to know a lot of people. People from other countries cannot believe how stupid our leadership is. They cannot believe. And by the way, I don't hold it against the other countries. If China can get away with what they're doing with the manipulation of their currency and everything, I say my hat is off to you. There you go. But it's hard to believe. And the people that I know, now, they're, they're not as open with me now because they're hearing I'm considering running. They're saying, to one of them <laughs> said, oh, my God, I can't believe I told you all this stuff. I had no idea you'd ever do this. But they say to me, previously, we cannot believe that you guys allow us to get away with it. And then they all laugh, and everybody laughs, and everybody's having a good time, but they can't believe it. And then the president of China that just rips us off, we give him a state dinner at the White House fit for a king, which, of course, he is, essentially. But we give him a dinner honoring him at the White House instead of saying, you know, like, folks, there's not going to be any dinner. And we, we have such power over them. What a lot of people don't realize... We have mm. we are rebuilding China because they're doing mm. so much. They made they made three hundred billion. They're going to make more than three hundred billion dollars on us. Let's call it profit this year. Three hundred right. billion. In addition to that, they're taking all our jobs. They're making all our things. The funny thing is, then they take all that money and they loan it back to us, and we pay them interest. So with the mm. right 
with the right thinking in the White House, that could be reversed so quickly your head would spin. And believe me, and I know something about this, believe me, we have the cards. They don't have the cards. Well, Donald, if you do decide to run for the presidency, I will uh, nominate myself to run the Environmental Protection Agency, which I would eliminate within the first year. Uh <laughs> Because I have the credentials to do so. And believe me, nobody wants to protect the airs, waters, and places better than me. I've been doing it most of my life. Donald, please stay with us for five more minutes because I want to get one or two questions in from around the country. You got another minute for us? I will do that, Michael. Donald Trump on the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. Savage. We have Donald Trump waiting on the other line from uh, Mar-a-Lago. Donald, welcome back to the Savage Nation. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. Donald, you are in Florida at this time? I am. You know, we have almost no time. I want to ask you something. You know, you heard my show yesterday, and we talked about it, and you said I'm a man of practical, a practical nature. I don't know how you put it, commonsensical or something to that effect. I said you are a man of great common sense. Did you hear my comments that when I was a young kid, grew up uh, over there on the other side of the Union Turnpike, I go to work with my dad on Saturdays, and he would say to me, "No radio," because we had to go to work. He said, "You got to get serious." He didn't even want me to listen to the radio. <clears throat> right. I'm mentioning it. it's it's kind of jokey in a way, but you know, your dad was a very successful real estate developer himself, and of course, you went way beyond him. Were you trained from a young age in the business? Did he take you to work in well, in his know, world? I, Michael, I watched my father, and my father was a builder in Queens and in Brooklyn. And he built houses, and then he built some apartment houses and things, and he was a really good builder. And I watched him, and I learned two things. Number one, I learned a little bit about negotiating, and I learned Mm. lots of different things about real estate. But I also learned, you know, he was a very hard worker. He'd work all the time. He loved it. Right. And he was a happy man. And I saw Ah. that, gee, you can work really hard and be happy. And that was something I learned from my father. Isn't that something? That's probably one of the greatest gifts a, a man could give his son. Because the ethos in America is the opposite, which is that work makes you unhappy. And, and, and gambling, for example, I shouldn't say it because you're, but uh, doing nothing makes you happy. It's crazy. I myself am a, a seven-day-a-week a guy. Otherwise, I get bored to death. Well, well there Donald, is something nice about it. I mean, there's something great about achievement. There's something great. And this country has really lost a lot of that spirit, and we have to get it back. Well, I hope you do decide to run, not just because I've uh, gotten to know you and I think that you're a sincere guy, but because America's in very deep trouble. We don't have sincere men who can lead us out of this swamp we're in, Donald. And many people are saying we need a practical guy who's a businessman, who has compassion, who can save us. And I really do hope you run, Donald, truthfully. Well, I'm really thinking about it. I'm going to make a decision by June, and uh, you may be pleasantly surprised. I will... uh I just hate what's happening to this country. We're not respected. We're not successful anymore. And at this rate, I will tell you, we will not be a great country for long. So I am giving. All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. On that, in that regard, if you do run, I want the FCC, not the environment, not the EPA. Okay, you have a deal. <laughs> okay, I have no absolute no ambition in government. I want you to know that right off the bat. I'm very happy writing books and doing radio. Donald Trump, thanks a million for sharing a few minutes with us on the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on Demand. In one of my most important discussions with President Trump, he joined my radio show in October 2016 just before the final debate of the presidential election. He disclosed on my show that he would meet with President Putin before entering office 
if he won in order to prevent an escalation towards war. God, what a show that is. I know you're going to love it. I'm Michael Savage. We have a special guest for you right now. The best guest in the whole world that we could have right now. A day that I am fighting for my life. Donald Trump, welcome to the Savage Nation, Mr. Trump. What a day it is. It's been great, Michael. We've had a good day, I will tell you. Well, I don't want to talk about me, but Donald, this is such a big story. Did you see the email that was released over the weekend by WikiLeaks where Hillary Clinton refused to intervene on my being banned in Britain? Uh, that I haven't seen. I saw the one with the FBI, where the FBI is in cahoots with uh, the Department of State, State Department, and with the uh, Justice Department. That is a big story, I guess. Uh, Donald, this was, this was on the Drudge Report for 24 hours. One of the WikiLeaks releases showed an email with her name on it from Hillary Clinton at the time saying she was not going to intervene to get my name off the ban list to Cheryl Mills. This is major league, Donald, but it's so tied into what you represent. I say it's life under, under Trump and death under Clinton, and I mean the death of our First and Second Amendments for sure. Mr. Trump, you are the only thing we have left between us and pure anarchy. Well, it's going very well. I guess polls just came out from CNN an hour ago, and they, they have us up by four in Ohio and doing what, really well everywhere. And this, despite the, the press that's horrible, phony, they print lies, they want to put lies on all the time, and you see it better than anybody. They, they have stories that are fabricated, and they put them on the front page of total lies that they're willing to print on the front page of newspapers. And despite Donald, where did, Donald, where do they get all of these tarts from? Where do these tarts come from? Michael, there's a backlash like I've never seen before. I just heard from Mike Pence. He said there's a backlash like he's never seen. People know it's all phony stuff. And that's why I say the election's rigged. It's rigged by the media. They're willing to put front-page stories on that are lies. And the elections are rigged by the media. And by the, by the way, they're also, if you look at the polls and the polling places in various cities, they're also rigged in the cities. Let's not kid ourselves in different places. Well, Donald, we know that. And here's the, here's the nightmare that I see. Here we are on the verge of war with Russia because of the insane policies of Hillary Clinton, who called him Hitler, Barack Obama, who called him every name under the sun, who wants a war with him in Syria. We see war drums being beaten by even the likes of, of Joseph Biden. You have said you'd like to do a deal with Putin and make peace. How is it that the party of leftists wants war, Mr. Trump? Well, they're incompetent people. Uh, Obama's an incompetent as a president, and uh, Hillary Clinton is beyond that. Look, uh, they made an agreement on nuclear warheads. Russia now has gotten so far ahead of us in the nuclear capacity uh, that they better be careful what they wish for. In fact, the, one of the top people in Russia said, I can't believe the agreement we made. You know what I'm talking about. I can't believe the agreement we made. They didn't even ask us for anything. They asked us not to reduce anything. So we're way behind in so many different ways, and we have very, very incompetent people leading us. And she talks tough with Russia. She shouldn't be talking so tough. She ought to know what she's doing. And frankly, if we got along with Russia and knocked out ISIS, that would be a good thing, not a bad thing. Correct. Mr. Trump, look at these headlines. Russia orders all officials to fly home. Any relatives living abroad as tensions mount over the prospect of a global war. CNN, Russia, U.S. move past Cold War to unpredictable confrontation. Nuclear war imminent as Russia tells citizens to find out where the closest bunkers are. And this low, low-grade media 
of submoronic idiots running in the media are talking about some tart who says you accidentally brushed against her on an airplane 20 years ago? What kind of world are we living in, Donald? Which, by the way, didn't exist. They were made-up stories, totally made up. And it's disgusting, and, and you're right. And now, whenever there's anything with Russia, they say, oh, well, Russia loves Donald Trump and Putin loves Donald Trump. And they insult him constantly. I mean, no wonder he can't stand Obama and Hillary Clinton. But uh, it is a very serious problem. I think it's the worst. It's the worst situation we've had with Russia since the end of the Cold War by far. Don Donald, here's what scares me as a talk show host. You know that I've studied the news and I do nothing but the news day and night. I do nothing else. What they're setting you up for is that if you win the election, which could happen, by the way, you're not out yet at all. They're trying to discourage Republicans and conservatives from voting, in my opinion, because they know that you're ahead in the polls. Their own internal polls are showing you surging. They're setting it up so that if you win, this illegitimate government will claim that the Russians hacked the election and it is an Ill illegitimate election, Donald. That's what I see coming. Do you agree with that possibility? Well, I think this. I do think we're probably ahead because we have tremendous enthusiasm. Our people are going to all vote, and I think a lot of people, for instance, I think we're going to do very well with African Americans. I think we're going to do very well with Hispanics, Latinos. I think we're going to do very well in, in a lot of different ways, and I think we are ahead in the polls. And our people have enthusiasm. They're going to vote, whereas her people, they're very worried. For instance, I'm going now to, you know, I'm going to Wisconsin. We have a huge crowd. I'm going tomorrow to Colorado. We have a tremendous crowd. I'm going to Ohio and Florida, and we have 20, 25, 30,000 people all the time. She can't get 500 people into a room. It's crazy. I know that. Look, Donald, listen, how would you diffuse the situation now between Russia and the U.S., assuming the world doesn't blow up before, before January? What would you do if you were president? First day, what would you do with Putin to stop this, these war drums? Well, the problem is we have Putin has no respect for Obama at all, doesn't like him and doesn't respect him, and Obama doesn't like Putin, but they, they have a great dislike for each other, and Putin has no respect at all for Obama. And I think that you can, you have potentially a really catastrophic situation here, I'll be honest with you, because those two are not, I will say this, if I win on November 8th, and hopefully every one of your listeners is going to go out, we're going to need everybody. Absolutely. So Republicans have a tougher path, you know that, to get there. Yes. But yes. if I win on November 8th, I think I could see myself meeting with Putin and meeting with Russia prior to the start of the administration. I think it would be wow. Wise. That's an amazing. That's an amazing news story. That's fabulous, Mr. Trump. That's an amazing answer because somebody, an adult, has to step in now and stop this uh, this insanity. We are dealing with the most powerful nuclear uh, foe on the planet. While Obama, as you said, has denuked us, Russia has been building up their nuclear forces. It puts us in a very bad situation. So that's, to me, the number one thing is national security. There's so many other things that you need to do when you are president. But before you go, Donald, listen, this is very important. I have seen this, and I think you just hinted at it. The whole election hinges on turnout. That is why the media is, t is trying to make people think you've already lost the election. It's not so much to encourage the Hillary voters. It's to discourage the Trump voters who should throw their hands up and say, oh, we can't win. That's the worst thing that could happen. Their internal polls, according to my analysis, shows that they're in deep trouble. And they are desperate to get the voter turnout. But we need to keep the voter turnout up even higher than she does. 
Well, I think their polls are showing that our people are going to turn out, and their people, they're very worried about it, because nobody cares about Hillary Clinton, and Obama's people aren't going to. African-Americans are not showing up to vote for Hillary Clinton. They like me better than they like her. And i tell you what, I'm going to do a better job, and certainly with the inner cities and all of these problems that they've been lying about for years, Clinton and, and the Democrats. And I think we're going to do great with the African-Americans. But I'll tell you this, just in a nutshell, they are very worried that their people aren't going to turn out. That's what they, And they know my people are turning out. Donald, this Wednesday is the last of three debates. You won the last debate. I watched every minute of it. They never thought you were going to come back. You were doing a rope of dopa on them, and you cut the legs out from under her when she threw that line at you, and she said, it's a good thing a man like him isn't president, and you shot back, or you'd be in jail. That turned the whole debate. What are you going to do this Wednesday if, if Meatloaf Jr. tries to set you up? Because Murdoch himself has, has advised all of them to back Hillary Clinton. What are you going to do when Meatloaf Jr. goes after you? Well, we're going to find out uh, what's going to happen. I mean, the first debate, I think we did very well. We had a very faulty microphone, as you know, and they even officially announced it, which was I guess. absolutely outrageous. There's a whole thing going on there, too. But I think we're going to do very well in the debate. I understand the subject matter very well. I don't think she does. I think she, frankly, is a highly overrated intellect. Uh, she, is, she does not understand the subject. You look at the decisions she's made over the years, Dave, every one of them virtually has been a wrong decision, uh, whether it's uh, Syria, Libya. I mean, just, just look at what she's done, including when she was the senator from New York. She said she was going to bring jobs back to upstate. Well, you know what happened. It turned out to be a disaster. So the bottom line, I think I look forward to the debate. I think we're going to do very well. I understand the subject matter very, very well, and I'm representing a lot of people. Donna, last point. Did you know Mike Wallace at all? I'm sure you knew him well. Very well. He did me on 60 Minutes. Uh, he was he was terrific. Here's my suggestion. Don't even answer me because I don't know if you can. If his son, who I call Meatloaf Jr., for internal reasons, it's a joke because his father was a famous meatloaf eater. If Meatloaf Jr., who's a sneak in my opinion, don't answer me, tries to set you up the way Snow White did during the primaries, you know, all you got to do is say to him, you know, your father, Mike Wallace, would never have stooped to your low level. You will put him on the defensive because he is probably living in his father's shadow. Well, I understand. I just hope he's going to be fair. And, you know, I didn't think they were fair with me the last debate, and I hit back at him pretty hard. I hope they're going to be fair, Michael. We hope so, and we're all rooting for you. We know we won't hear from you until way after the debate. But just know that every listener to this show, and that ranges in the millions around the country on the Internet and otherwise, this is the number one talk radio show in America on the Internet, Donald. And all of them are interested in everything that you have to say because it comes down to this. Life under Trump, death under Clinton. It's absolutely life and death in terms of our First and Second Amendments at the very least. So we all are rooting for you, Donald, and we wish you the best this Wednesday and thereafter. Thank you, Michael. Great honor, and I will see you soon, and we'll speak to you sooner than you think, okay? I, I have that umbrella ready for the inauguration. Very good. You have a deal. You'll be there. All right. Good luck, Donald. We're all rooting for you. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, 
sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.